Why did Jesus get baptised? Why did he need to get baptised and what happened when he did? That's our question today. You are welcome here at St Ninian's in Stonehouse. Hi and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We're glad that you could join us from wherever you find yourself today. And if you want to know more about who we are and what we do, then pop over to our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk. You can find out all about us over there. Today Douglas is going to read for us from Matthew's Gospel. It's the story of Jesus' baptism. First reading today is from Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 9. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth from all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another, or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare, before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Our second reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's the first Sunday of Epiphany, a season which begins on the 6th of January. That's the day traditionally when the church celebrates the visit of the Magi to Jesus. So the season begins with a realisation, their realisation that the child that the wise men find in the house in Bethlehem is the king that they've been looking for. I've spoken before about the church here providing us with different lenses to look through as we look at each story each week we have a point of view and I think epiphany is one of the best of these. Epiphany means 
a moment of sudden and great realisation or revelation. So the next few weeks in this season of Epiphany, we'll be searching for these Epiphany moments, these realisations where something about Jesus jumps out at us or we understand something in a new way, or for the first time perhaps. I hope that's an exciting prospect for you all. It is for me. One of the things I love about preparing for worship is that process of discovery where you read the texts for the week and wonder, what on earth is that about? And as you read on and listen and let all of your thoughts and experiences interact with each other and and with the things that attract your attention, connections start to appear. And they're often surprising, these little epiphanies. But sometimes that's a bit more difficult. Usually when, like this week, we are presented with a passage that we've all read before, the, the story of the baptism of Jesus, and this same story appears on this same Sunday every year, albeit from different Gospels. Matthew, Mark and Luke all record the story, and even John's Gospel, which is often so different from the other three, records the work of John the Baptist. What all three accounts have in common is that they're all pretty tentative with the meaning around the story. Matthew, as we are going to discover this year, is pretty keen to explain stuff. But even he's hesitant about giving us much more than the bare bones of what happened, meaning that we have lots of work to do and more than a little care to exercise. John the Baptist has been thundering away on the edge of the desert and the wilderness about the coming Messiah, calling the religious leaders a bunch of hypocrites and a brood of vipers to their face, He was baptising people so that they could say sorry for the wrong things that they had done and so they could start again. John, remember, is Jesus' cousin, just a few months older and obviously well aware of exactly who Jesus is. Matthew tells it this way. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptised by John. John would have presented John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptised by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it's proper for us in this way to fulfil all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus had been baptised, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. So, is this one of those stories that seems pretty straightforward? Jesus comes to John, John is surprised and tries to talk Jesus out of it, but does what he's asked and baptises Jesus. And then there's this weird bit at the end where the sky opens and there's a dove and a voice. We'll come to that in a minute. Then Jesus came from Galilee. Galilee. The last we heard of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, he was in Nazareth, further north because the family were scared of the king and wanted to be out of the way. So Jesus is on the move. He's changed location to somewhere much busier. And he comes to the Jordan to be baptised by John. And John doesn't want to do it. Remember, John knows who Jesus is. He's been telling everyone all about him 
how much greater than John he is. He's told us he's not even worthy to unlace Jesus' sandals. Jesus will be the one who, who puts everything right. He's the Messiah. And Jesus is asking John to baptise him. That isn't how it's supposed to happen. Jesus is supposed to come along in glory and power and transform everything, perhaps just with a click of his fingers. I wonder, when you think of Jesus as the phrase law-abiding one that springs to mind, would you describe Jesus as someone who was a lover of the rules? It doesn't ring quite true, does it? I mean, most of the time he seems to be breaking the rules, or at least bending them or stretching them, if not completely reinventing them. He was forever getting into trouble for the likes of healing on the Sabbath, or speaking to women, or touching the unclean, or eating with outsiders, or welcoming in strangers. And yet here at his baptism, he follows the rules. I can't baptise you, he says to John. This is what needs to happen. Just do it. And John does. But why? Why does it need to happen? This moment should raise at least a few questions for us. Things like, if baptism is for repentance from sins, does that mean that Jesus has sinned? Jesus tells John it's what's needed to fulfil all righteousness. That's one of those strange old-fashioned church kind of words. We don't really use them in the same way anymore. Righteousness is an important word here because it opens up the whole thing. Righteousness means being in right relationship with others. It's at the heart of the Jewish law. Righteousness is what the Ten Commandments are all about. Don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat, don't kill. Those are the very minimum requirements. The law sets out lots of others, including one that Jesus will come back to. Love one another. Righteousness is a way of living. It's the thing that Jesus has come to show us is actually possible, that it can be done. This baptism was what needed to happen. Needed to happen for Jesus to be completely at one with us. The others John had baptised that day were baptised as a sign of their willingness to turn their lives around, to let God take control, to put God first. For Jesus, it's a sign of his willingness to go to the depths for our sakes. There's a power dynamic at play here. John has spent ages telling people that Jesus is greater than him, and yet here Jesus is submitting to John's ministry. The ultimate validation, if you like. If it's good enough for these people, then it's good enough for Jesus because that's what his mission is all about. It was a sign of his readiness to to carry all of our mistakes and all of our faults, all our misdemeanours and imperfections, so that the slate might be wiped clean for us, so that we could begin again. And even here, in keeping the rules, he's actually breaking them. By taking from us the guilt and wrongdoing, and making it all right. And when Jesus had been baptised, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. John's message was true. 
there will come one who will baptise not just with water but with the Holy Spirit. And here he is, standing before you, right now. And that's the epiphany. A voice from heaven said, This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Righteousness has been fulfilled and God is pleased. Alice Mackenzie suggests that this is a demonstration of Jesus' faith in action. Jesus knew who he was. He was the Messiah long before he went into the water. This is a demonstration for us, a revelation of his true identity for those around him. And it's also about Jesus living into his own sense of commission and role. This is a start for Jesus. Things change for him at this moment. This is such a public event. There's no going back. It's hugely symbolic. Baptism is all about being born again, accepting and confirming a new identity, dying to your old life and being born into a new one. And the same is true for us in our own baptism. Whether it's as an infant or as an adult, baptism is about recognising what we've always known, that we are children of God and that God loves all of us. Coming for baptism is a realisation of that and our demonstration that we are willing to enter into that relationship and to live into it too that we are up for trying to live in righteousness, in right relationship with God and with each other. Baptism is about identity, our identity. John wasn't presented with the warrior king he was expecting. Instead, Jesus comes in humility as a servant, willing to submit to John, to validate the work of the messenger and to enter into our experience so that we can be part of his. So in our baptism, we are joined in the mission of God, Even if, like John the Baptist, it's not really what we expected. Jesus gives a model for that mission right at the start of this. Humility, service and right relationship. We are called to go and do likewise. Spirit of God
We live in a world of watersheds, of no going backs, of time moving on. At times, it seems hope alone rules. Decisions loom, questions rise, challenges draw us to a breaking point. And the breaking point is not always bad. For sometimes we need to walk the new way, live the new life, find new faith deepened. But we pray for all those whose lives are at a watershed of an altogether more wounding kind. Those whose lives are marred by illness. Scarred by sorrow. Seared by grief. Submerged in doubt. And often coming all of a sudden with no warning. And we pray too for those who long that life might herald or require change, but know only too well that this is denied and their present is all too hard to bear. And we pray for ourselves in all this, for none are immune from the challenges of change. We pray simply that we will be faithful, faithful to your will and your way. Amen. May we find a place for love to belong in the world. May we find a welcome for the lost on the paths of our lives. May we create a space that makes room, room for all of those that we meet in this week. And may we find in each place God already waiting for us. We go with God's blessing, God the creator, the source and the spirit with us now and always. Food Bank opens for collection on Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm and every Sunday thereafter. Uh, obviously it's been Christmas and New Year so stocks are low so any donations that you could bring to the Food Bank would be very gratefully appreciated. And don't forget if you or anyone you know needs food then they can come and collect food at the same time from 1pm until 2.30pm every Sunday at St Ninian's Church. Night Church is this Sunday, that's Sunday the 8th of January from 7.30 to 9pm. Night Church is a quiet space, a welcoming and warm and cosy space. We, we light the church with candles and invite you to come in 
to sit, to pray, to contemplate, just simply to be. You can stay for as short a time or as long a time as you wish, but you are very welcome to join us at Night Church on the 8th of January from 7.30 till 9pm.